I'd like to invite you, church family, here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles for the message to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22. Our theme is simply helps for a happy new year. I shared part one of this message uh, at the New Year's Eve service, and if you would like a little summary of that message, you can find it in the bulletin written out, and or you can listen to it on our website as well. I want to take us now to part two from a different passage of scripture. Obviously, this time of the year, we want to wish one another a blessed and a happy new year. And God's word provides you and me with some wonderful words of wisdom and guidance and instruction that can really assist us in meaningful ways to have a blessed and happy new year. And so Proverbs 22, just the first three verses, we read the following. Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. The rich and poor have this in common. The Lord made them both. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy Bible. We thank you for your holy word that speaks to us in so many different beautiful ways. I pray, O oh God, that you would now use the scripture, use your Holy Spirit, use, Lord, this message to touch the hearts, the lives of our precious people gathered here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene and those listening on the internet, those listening by radio. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Helps for a happy new year. The first truth, my friends, that I want us to focus on is this. Know that God is more concerned that we grow in character and reputation than in our bank account. As you and I live life this year, Let's keep this truth in mind that God is more concerned that you and I grow in our personal character and reputation than in our financial uh, area of life, which also is important, of course. But this, this truth comes across in the very first verse that we read, which says, choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. Ushers, can I just ask if you, you would close the extra doors at the back just out of concern for uh, some of the people at the back in case there's a draft. Obviously, it's been extremely cold and we want to try to make you as comfortable as possible. But this, this truth that I'm presenting to you comes from this very first verse and I realize that verse 1 does not mention, you can see of course, it does not mention the word character, but I've used that word because usually a good reputation is the result of what? Is, is the result of a person's good character. Amen? 
Character is what you are on the inside, right? Character is what a person is on the internal makeup, the inside. Character is defined as, for instance, the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. Moral excellence, that's character. Reputation is defined as the beliefs or opinions that are generally held about someone or something. Now, occasionally there might be some exceptions, but usually a good reputation is developed because of good character. In this new year, I want to invite you to say with me, Lord, I want to grow. I want to grow in character throughout the months ahead. Now how can, how can you and I grow in character? Well, here are just a few ways. For those of you who may, may be making notes, A, you would write in, allow the Holy Spirit to work more and more in your life. We have the privilege of allowing, of having God's Holy Spirit create and remake and mold, transform each of us from the inside out. We call it holiness. It's the work of the Spirit of God. Galatians 5, 23 says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I believe, I believe that allowing the Holy Spirit to cleanse, to purify our hearts, and to fill us, to fill us with the kind of fruit or characteristics uh, that uh, we, we just read about is the key. It's the key to you and me developing the kind of character God wants us to have. Is there an amen in the sanctuary? Right on. May you and I say, Holy Spirit, make me and mold me and transform me from the inside out into the kind of man or woman or teenager or child you want me to be. Let it be so. Let it be so. The Bible tells us there's also another way in which God you. God uses to build our character, and it is this. For those of you making notes, you would write it down as point B. Allow the Lord to use problems and trials to help build your character. This truth comes from Romans chapter five, verses three and four, where we read this. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, here it is. When we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us develop endurance 
And endurance develops, what? Endurance develops strength of character. Amen? So what Romans 5, 3, and 4 is really saying is problems and trials have a way of being used by the Lord to help build your character and mine. And if you and I stop and think very, very probably, a lot of the beautiful aspects of your character have been forged across the years as a result of the trials and hardships that you have gone through or I have gone through. Uh, Obviously, you and I do not like problems. We don't like trials. But if we stop and think, we realize that God often uses them to build our character. Here's a little example. I'm not perfect, and many of you who would know me would say amen and amen. I, don't, 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 don't laugh too hard, however, okay? Anyway, I'm not perfect, but I can honestly say, I can honestly say to you that I have a sincere, uh, sincere, deep love for people of all races and all cultures, all languages, all age levels, all economic levels. Well, I'm glad you agree. <laughs> you know, uh, some people would say that, that I, I look white and I talk white and I smell white, but I love all people. I do. I have, I have sometimes asked myself how I came to accept and love people of of all cultures and races. You know, sometimes you just kind of sit and you think, okay, how did this come about in my life or your life, whatever the case might be? I believe, I believe that a large part of the answer goes back to my childhood. I was a new immigrant to Canada when I was five years old, along with my family, Especially between grades one to six, I experienced, unfortunately, I experienced a lot of prejudice towards me from other children in the neighborhood where we lived, south of Pape and Danforth, in the neighborhood, and at the school that I attended. Unfortunately, I experienced a lot of prejudice simply, became, simply because I came from a different country, which was Greece. And in my first year or two in, in Canada, I no speak the English. <laughs> and it took me a while to learn how to speak English. Uh, I still remember one day, uh, my, mother, my mother said, uh, apparently, you know, after going to the school the first few times, my mother tells me how I went home and I, and I said to my mother as a little six-year-old kid, I said, I said mother, what's the, what's the matter with those people there at school? They don't speak, they don't speak the language we speak. <laughs> anyway, anyway. But I still remember, I still, I still remember some kids Back in those days, I remember some kids, in fact, there were too many kids who said things like, who said, you, you lousy, you lousy wop, you lousy wop, go back to where you came from. 
In fact, I still don't know what a lousy WAP is. <laughs> I got to Google it one of these times and see, you know, exactly what that is. All I knew was it wasn't very nice, you know. And, uh, but what, I, what I'm saying to you, my friends, is that I believe God, God, Pastor, God used my experiences, my experiences of pain and prejudice when I was a child to, uh, to help fill my heart with love and acceptance towards people of all nationalities. You're with me now? Right? Right? Here's another, here's another example about this point of allowing the Lord to use problems and trials to help build your character. Another instance, uh, very recently, while I was at a funeral home here in Toronto, I, I met a lady who, who worked there. I met, I met this lady after the service was finished, and I happened to be talking to her. In my brief conversation with her, I discovered, sadly, I discovered that her only child, her only child, a son, in his early 20s, had died of cancer just over two and a half years ago. And she had a discussion with me. She asked me some theological questions about what happened to her son and so on. So anyway, I was talking with her, and I also learned. I also learned that a few months later, after her son's funeral, she started working at the funeral home. Well, I had a brief prayer with her, asking God to further comfort her and her family, then I left to go to the cemetery for the burial of the uh, funeral service I was a part of that day. About a week later, that dear lady phoned me here at the church office from the funeral home. She phoned me uh, to talk to me about something. And before she got off the phone, I said this to her, because it had been on my mind. I said, I said to her, do you mind me asking you this question? Why? I said, why did you start working at the funeral home a few months after your son's death, knowing that every time you stepped into the funeral home, knowing that every time you came to work, it would be a reminder to you of your son's passing? I was wondering, from the time I met her, I was wondering about that question. And here was her response. She said, I know, I know how much emotional pain I went through with my son's death. I know how much sorrow I still feel. I just thought that because I know how much pain I have gone through, I can better help people in their time of grief when they come to our funeral home. That was her response. Her compassion and love for other hurting people has become a centerpiece of her character because of her own problems and pain.
Now, I hope, I hope you don't have problems and trials this year. I hope you don't. But if you do, the probability is you will have problems and trials. If you do have them, allow the Lord to use your hurts and heartaches to help build your character. You got it? You got it? Does it make sense to you folks up in the balcony? Amen? All right. All right. So the first truth today is know. Know that God is more concerned that we grow in character and reputation than in our bank account throughout this year. The second truth that I believe can help us to have a blessed and happier new year is this. Second truth is treat each person as a special creation of the Lord. Why don't you read it with me from the big screen? Treat each person as a special creation of the Lord. And this comes to my mind from verse two where we read, read it in unison with me, the rich and poor have this in common, the Lord made them both. The Lord made them both. Another way, another way to say uh, treat each person as a special creation of the Lord is to say value, value each person very highly. Amen? Value each person. Now in our culture, especially in the North American culture, I would say, it is easy, it's easy for people to get caught up with movie stars who make millions of dollars per year or sports stars, or singing sensations. I have not become a singing sensation myself, and neither have you, <laughs> all right? But it's easy for people to get caught up, you know, with movie stars, sports stars, singing stars, uh, to get caught up, caught up uh, with, with all the money that they make and the mansions that they have and the more and more beautiful cars of all kinds. This past year, well, this past September, the International Film Festival was held here in Toronto, and if I recall, it seems like it's held here annually. And I was, I was intrigued, I was intrigued to hear on, on the news, how every day, every day, they, they said people were, were, were lined up to catch a glimpse, to catch a glimpse of their favorite actor or, or movie star. And to a certain extent, uh, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, providing, providing some movie star does not become an idol to someone. But what troubles me, what troubles me is sometimes seen how poor people are treated. Yesterday afternoon, I, I popped into a neighborhood grocery store to buy a few food items. 
And at the entrance to the store was a, a dear poor man who was, and it was freezing, as you recall yesterday and today. It, the weather was freezing. And by the way, congratulations to all of you for being in the Lord's house during these very, very cold days. But at the entrance to the store was a dear man, poor man, who was asking for some money so that he could buy some groceries. And the, the weather was bitter, and it was probably minus 20 to minus 30 degrees. As I approached the store's entrance, I noticed, I noticed that there was no one lining up, no one lining up to get a glimpse of that poor man, no one lining up to get his autograph. Instead, some people were deliberately walking around him or pretending that he wasn't even there. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you and I should stop to help everyone who asks for a handout. I am saying, however, I am saying that throughout this year, I ask you, I ask us to remember verse two. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord made them both. When you look across this sanctuary, when you look across and you see that person next to you or in the other row or behind you or, or up above in the, in the balcony, remind yourself, whether you know him or not, whether you know her or not, that person is also a special creation of the Lord. They may dress like you or they may dress very differently from you. They might wear a suit like Pastor Nick wears suits or they might not. But they're just as precious to the Lord and to you as anyone. So let us learn and relearn the lessons of treating each person as a special creation of the Lord. And let us remember too, the whether, whether someone is young, a young teenager, and wasn't it beautiful to see, to see the young people here leading us in worship along with Hannah today? Wasn't it wonderful to see? Those are young people, youth. And they're developing so nicely, praise be to God, amen. But we have to remember that whether someone is very young or whether someone, someone is, is very old, there is beauty in each person. Amen? I see, I see the beautiful, the incredible beauty in my 10-month-old little granddaughter, Everly Ruth. And I see the beauty in the precious older people here in our church. And you know, you, know, you know what is often puzzling to pastors like me? What is puzzling is that oftentimes on the coldest days and the bitterest days, the people who are most in church are seniors who have a hard time walking, who have a hard time getting around. Amen? Value each person.
very highly. Amen. Um, by the way, in regards to that gentleman at the grocery store who was asking for some help to buy groceries, I am, I'm, I am encouraged to say, to tell you, that when I was leaving the grocery store, I wasn't in there very long, when I was leaving the grocery store, I, I, happened, I happened to bump into the poor man who was now also leaving the store. And the good news was, the good news was, he had two bags in his hands. And I turned to him, and he was, he was just about to go out about the same time as I was. I turned to him, and I said, hey, I'm so glad you got some groceries today as well. Amen. Here's a third truth. A third truth that can help us have a blessed and happy new year. Third truth is this. Read it with me from the big screen. Use your good judgment and common sense to avoid unnecessary problems and trouble. Please remember this as the weeks and the months pass. It will save you and you and you and save all of us a lot of unnecessary heartache. And this truth comes from verse 3, verse 3, which says, read it in unison with me, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. The definition of prudent is this, acting with or showing care and thought for the future. Acting with or showing care and thought for the future. And the de definition of simpleton is a foolish person. That's a hard one. <laughs> All right? That's, that's the definition of prudent, of simpleton. I, um, I told you in a previous message of how during my recent sabbatical, I flew to San Francisco. Thank God for aeroplan points, by the way. I flew to San Francisco, rented a car, and drove south on the coastal Pacific Highway for about it was four, four hours, maybe four and a half, to a monastery where I stayed for 15 days, mostly in silence, had wonderful times of prayer, of worship. There were services at 5.30 in the morning, 7 a.m., 11 o'clock, 5.30, and um, wonderful times of study while at the monastery. During, uh, during my stay at the monastery, on some of the days, I drove along the coastal Pacific highway just to enjoy God's creation. How many of you, by the way, have ever driven along the coastal Pacific Highway in California, south of, uh, south of San Francisco, south, especially south of Monterey? How many of you have ever done that? Just put your hand up. Put your hand up. Okay. 
uh, a number of you have. And so you know, you know how beautiful God's creation is, very unspoiled, very wild, very wild. They, they used, in the 1920s and early 30s, I believe, they, they used a lot of prisoners to actually build the, the highway, which just winds around, winds along the coast um, for miles and miles. But anyway, some days I, I drove, um, the monastery was about two miles up in the mountains, I, and I drove down to the highway to just drive along the coast and and reflect upon and breathe in God's beautiful creation. On the one side of the highway is the ocean, and the other side are the coastal mountains. One day I was driving along and I pulled over. I, I pulled over just to take, um, take in the view and to take a couple of pictures. I know some of you are thinking, yeah, you took 100 pictures. But anyway, at that same spot, at that same spot, a group of friends, not my friends, but they were obviously friends that were traveling together in a van of some kind. So uh, a group of friends who were probably in their 20s, maybe early 30s, also stopped to take in the scenery. At that location, there was a very big cliff. I estimate the cliff was probably 200 plus meters or perhaps about 600 feet, a 600 foot cliff from where we were standing down to the ocean. It, it was fine, it was fine so long as you didn't get too close to the cliff. Then I saw the group of friends taking pictures, but what started to really scare me was one of the young ladies, one of the young ladies was trying to get as close to the edge of the cliff as possible for her friend to take a picture. Her back was turned to the cliff, so she was literally walking backwards, and sometimes she'd take a little glance like that, but she was literally walking backwards and her friend was saying, okay, you've got, you, you can go back about, okay, you can, you, about one more inch. You can go back one more inch, one more inch. I saw what was happening. And she was, in fact, maybe about one inch from the cliff before she would fall over. I saw what was happening and I, and I very calmly, very calmly, so as not to spook her, I very calmly said, please, please walk towards me. Walk towards me. Walk towards me. Fortunately, she didn't say why. To my surprise, she listened and came towards me away from the cliff. I said, I said to the group of five or six friends, I said, listen, listen, group, if there had been a gust of wind or if she had just lost her balance, she would have fallen to her death. I said, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing this. You are grown-ups. And one of the young men 
probably in his 20s. We're not talking about children here. One of the young men said, Sir, sir, she was was just trying to get as close to the edge of the cliff as possible for a great picture. And I said to them, I said, you know, I said, I'm into photography. I said, the picture will look just as good if she's 10 feet away from the cliff as if she's right at the cliff. Those of you who are into photography will know that most times those pictures don't even pick up the, the, the drop, okay? You have to take pictures in a certain way to even notice the, the big distance or the drops. But anyway, I, 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 I said the picture will look just the same if you take it from 10 feet safe from the, from the edge. And this guy, this guy, this guy... He said to me, he said, sir, sir, some of us, some of us like to live dangerously. You know, you know how some people practice extreme sports, extreme sports? Honestly, that's what he said to me. I wanted wanted to say to him, I wanted to say, what you are doing is extreme stupidity. Extreme stupidity. But I didn't say it so as not to get him unnecessarily upset. And all I was, of course, concerned about was that that young lady be safe. And the bottom line was she was far away from the edge now. And and hopefully they were not going to do it again once I left. But I drove away. I drove away thinking someone's beloved, someone's beloved 20-something daughter was an inch away from possibly being sent home in a body bag. Why? Why? Because a group of five to six friends didn't use their good judgment to avoid a potential catastrophe. Now, am I saying, would she have fallen if I hadn't been there? I hope not. But why, why get to one inch from the cliff? from a 600-foot drop, from a 200-meter drop. Now, probably some of you, some of you are thinking, I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. I'm not. Verse 3 says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. A prudent person foresees danger. I want to encourage all of us throughout this year to be prudent. To be prudent, my friends. As you know, this past week in Toronto, the weather was very cold with the windshield factor On many days, temperatures were between minus 25 and minus 35. On one of the days I left home, I left home to come to the church and I crossed paths with one of my neighbors who had no no winter coat on, no boots, no hat, no gloves. She just had her regular clothes and a little sweater. And I I said to her, it's bitterly cold Outside, I strongly encourage you to go get your winter coat, put your winter coat on, get your winter gloves, and so on. 
And she said, she said, oh, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going from home to, uh, to an underground garage in my car. And I said to her, I said, uh, you never know if your car will break down on a street or on the highway and you can become extremely cold before help ever arrives. And she said, oh, thanks, thanks for your concern, but I'll be okay. And then she left. What am I saying? Verse three. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. And so, my friends, I leave you with these three truths. I leave you with these three truths. Helps that can make a difference for a happy new year. Number one, know that God is more concerned that we grow in character and reputation than in our bank account. Number two, treat each person as a special creation of the Lord. And thirdly, use your good judgment and common sense to avoid unnecessary problems and unnecessary trouble. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would help all of us to remember and to practice to live out these truths that we find in Proverbs chapter 22. Dear God, I want and we want the very best year possible for all of our worshipers here, for all of our radio listeners. And I pray that you would remind us of, of these truths at appropriate times to put them into practice, to live them out. Let it be so. And now, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of celebrating our faith together, celebrating our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. We're thankful that we're a part of the family of God through faith in Jesus. And Lord, may you bless each life as we share in the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.